welcome to another episode of The Whistle Stop. I'm Drew Ammon. Our guest is Vince Welsh, NASCAR commentator for Fox Sports. He is the primary lap-by-lap announcer calling races for the Truck Series on FS1. His career spans several decades in motorsports and will reflect on his time covering IndyCar and the Cup Series. Greg Peterson back with us, along with Stephen Jordan. Today's podcast is sponsored by ProtectingOurStudents.org. Visit their site to sponsor a student, classroom, school, or district with their COVID-19 Start Safe campaign for just $10 a student. Again, that website is ProtectingOurStudents.org. Vince, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, you've had a long broadcasting career, highly decorated career. Long-time play-by-play voice for the Ball State University Sports Network. Let's go back. I'm from Muncie. Mm-hmm. I know a lot about the area, clearly, and it's it's kind of cool to kind of look back on your uh, early days, but memories there from the Ball State Cardinals. Well, I mean, it was uh, a great thrill for me being a Ball State graduate to have an opportunity to, to uh, call basketball games there for uh, a long time uh, on their television package and and uh, you know, growing up in Indiana, you know, being a basketball fan is just part of our DNA, and and uh, loved uh, and still do uh, love basketball, and in particular college basketball. So um, it was a it was great opportunity for me to call games there for uh, shoot. I called uh, their TV games for about 20 years actually, and um, and loved it. Got to work with a, a very good friend, Jerry Pearson, who uh, still lives in the Muncie area and coached at Miami of Ohio for a long time, and. And uh, part of the Mid American Conference saw some great players come through there and some great teams and and uh, and then when I went to Fox, um, you know, I began I was part of their broadcast team uh, on the college basketball side, so I stopped doing the the Ball State stuff. But uh, I still get up and see a few games, uh, Ball State games uh, each year, and and uh, follow them very closely. And a uh, big fan of uh, what Coach Whitford and and uh, the Cardinals are are doing up there. And I believe you're still living in Carmel, right? Yep. Yep. So I'm only about uh, 40 minutes from Muncie. So, um, and um, so it, it works out well. It's an easy drive up there to see some games. Yeah. My brother actually lives in Zionsville, so I get to visit there quite a bit, but I do want to ask you about, and this is outside of your motorsports background, but Indianapolis being such a host city for sports and the way it's viewed nationally, how would you sum that up? Well, I think, uh, you know, the the city uh, executives, if you will, did a great job with the, you know, the infrastructure of the city and planning. You know, if you've been or spent any time at all in Indianapolis, you know, it's a, a great walkabout downtown. Um, and it's easy to, uh, if you're staying downtown, it's easy to walk over to Bankers Life Fieldhouse and, and watch basketball uh, or walk to Lucas Oil Stadium and see football or whatever the convention might happen to be, uh, the NCAA basketball uh, championships, uh, whatever the case. Uh, or, you know, we've got a great uh, baseball stadium uh, for AAA Indianapolis Indians, all within walking distance uh, if you're staying downtown, uh, not to mention all the restaurants and the zoo and and uh, the uh, art museum, the, the public library. There's so many attractions in the core of the downtown area in Indianapolis that when you stay downtown, you can walk to, you know, that's always what the out of town media, when they come in for the big events, whether it was the Super Bowl uh, or it's the NCAA championships, 
uh, the Big Ten championships, whatever the case may be. Everyone always talks about the fact they love coming to Indianapolis because they don't have to, you know, once they get here, they don't have to go get in the car to get somewhere that, uh, you know, they want to go because uh, the venues are all within walking distance and the great uh, selection of restaurants all within walking distance. And uh, I think that's what makes it a great host city. Yeah, you, you summed it up perfectly. I remember coming to the Super Bowl in 2012. I'm not sure they could have had a better scenario for their Super Bowl. It was just unseasonable in terms of the weather. It was tremendous. Uh, that's a particular time for me in Indy where I have fond memories. But I want to take it back a little bit more and talk about when you started your professional broadcasting career in 1986, a Richmond, Indiana radio station. Strong Hoosier ties. What about the Circle City and covering sports in that area and what it was like to work in local television there? It was a great thrill for me because I grew up in Indianapolis. And um, and, and even when I graduated from Ball State and, and went to, to Richmond and worked, um, it was always my goal to, to get back to Indianapolis and work in the television market. And um, I had a great opportunity in Richmond as it was my first job. Uh, so you never really know what to expect there. But uh, it was a great high school sports market uh in regards to they had the at the time they had the number one basketball team uh the number one baseball team and uh the football team was very good at that time and and uh played in the north central conference which if you're from indiana and you have any age on you at all you know it was the premier conference in in uh, in athletics and having an opportunity there i called about 100 games a year between basketball football and baseball play by play and those are opportunities that you get in a small town when that's what the you know the uh, the town folk if you will focused or are focused on the high school sports because they don't have college a big college in that uh, in that town or a professional team in that town so the high school draws the attention and um being uh being a small town we 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 did the games live on the radio and and so it was a great opportunity for me over the course of the 3 to 3 and a half years I was there uh, to uh, to call games and loved it and um, it was just a really really good opportunity for me and then but eventually I had the chance to to go back to Indianapolis at, at Wish TV the CBS affiliate at the time and and, um, and 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 kind of step into the door from a television on the television side and and um, it was just too good of an opportunity to pass up I had interned there in college and and it was really the place I wanted to be. So it was a great opportunity for me. Uh, I, I was there for, uh, oh, five years or so. And, and during that time, I, I realized that I didn't really want to be the guy sitting at the desk doing the highlights at 5, 6, and 11. And uh, no offense to those that do it, because I'm I'm very dear friends with, with so many in that profession. But I knew I wanted to be at the event calling the action and so um, that was the path that I pursued professionally was uh, whether it was play by play or uh, as is the case in the auto racing side, a pit reporter also, but I wanted to be part of the actual event broadcast team. And um, so that was the, that was the Avenue I pursued. And uh, by the grace of God, I've, uh, I've had that opportunity and been doing that for uh, about 20 years or so now. Well, Vince, you give me goosebumps. I'm from a small Shout out to Bentonville, Indiana, a crossroads town of 82 people that feeds into <laughs> Connorsville High School. Yeah, yep. called many a game at Connorsville back in the day. I was going to say, the, the, the Richmond-Connorsville-Newcastle yep. rivalries and Rushville yep. and every, everywhere else, just I, I have goosebumps going to Spartanville as a kid yep. and 
going and watching Woody Austin in Richmond. And growing up in a small town, we had an antenna on our house and had four stations. And obviously yeah. one of them was Wish. And when we'd watch the the nightly sportscast, you and Mark Patrick were you and or Mark Patrick were standing on the baseline before Pacers games, and that's kind of yep. how we got our scoop before social media and everything. <laughs> but uh, how has that developed for you, and how have you used those experiences to help you now with live uh, racing coverage? What I, I like to say, every day, you know, prepares you for the next day, uh, whether we're talking about uh, sports casting or, um, you know, being a teacher or an accountant or, you know, you pick the profession – uh, and um, or just in general in the way we conduct ourselves in, in life each day. So all of those experiences, I would say, prepared me for the next. And um, whether it was in Richmond, you know, being in Richmond for three and a half years helped prepare me for my time at WISH, and then my time at WISH helped prepare me for the next step and, and right on down the, you know, right on down the line. But I think that, you know, my time at WISH, if I, if I had to – take one lesson from that it was you know this the immense amount of time that i spent around the professionals and uh, the big time college athletics uh, whether it was the professional franchises of the colts or the pacers um or you know iu purdue notre dame whatever the case may be um and you really got a sense in in watching how others in the profession worked the level of professionalism and uh, and the level of commitment it took uh, to be great at those sports at that level, uh, whether it was football or basketball, baseball, tennis, you know, track and field, what, whatever event that I covered, you know, auto racing obviously in, included in that at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But uh, what I really took from all of that was how special of a talent and how much you have to work to be elite at what you do. And I think that covers all areas of life. And, you know, if you want to be the best accountant or the best teacher or the best coach or the best fireman or police, whatever the, or broadcaster, you know, it takes a lot of work and, um, you know, it takes listening. It takes uh, asking questions, not being afraid to ask questions and, and learn things that you don't know and not assume and, and um, you know, learn who that, uh, you know, recognize who you want to learn from. And also there are those that you, you come across in, in life, as we all know, that uh, kind of show us how not to do it. It's all a big learning experience for me. I mean, even even today, I mean, you know, I feel like I learn every day that I'm on the job. And uh, I think when you stop having that attitude, then you've probably run your course. And uh, I like to think that I've got some time left in me. Did you always want to do this, Vince? Did you always want to do play-by-play? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, when I realized I wasn't uh, any good at sports, <laughs> then, uh, or I certainly wasn't going to be good enough to uh, do that for a living, that the next uh, best thing was uh, being at the event, talking about it. And, um you know, I just, I really, you know, I grew up in an era where you sat and listened to games on the radio or, um, you know, as, as was mentioned a little bit ago, you know, I grew up in the era of four television stations and you had to get up off the couch to change from one to the other. Uh, you know, there wasn't even a remote control. Um, so, <laughs> yep. so uh, you know, it, uh, it I, I grew up listening to a lot of sports on the radio and um, I just, I really grew to respect how the announcers could pull you in and make you feel 
like you were part of the game or like you feel, make you feel like you were there, you know, get goosebumps when a great play was made, you know, whatever the case. And, and, um, and even from, you know, watching events on, on television, there were particular announcers that, that, uh, you know, that seemed to, you know, you seem to draw to be drawn to more than others. And, and I just can't kind of came to realize that, you know, if I can't be a player, I can't be an athlete, the next greatest thing will be, would be to be at the event describing the greatness of the athletes. So that's, I was drawn to that at a, at an early age and, and uh, really it was about the only thing I ever considered doing. So, um, you know, when you look back at my career, it, 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 you know, I probably was too naive to realize that's not the way it should have been done, but, um, it, it worked out for me and, and, uh, it's just been an incredible blessing to spend my life and my professional life, uh, being able to go to sporting events and, and seeing some of the unbelievable things that I've seen in my time and to do that for a living. You know, I, I don't take that for granted. I assure you. Well, Vince, I covered the 2013 Indianapolis 500. And then again, in 2014, I also covered the breakyard in 2014. And from my standpoint, being in local television at the time, you'd watch a few laps, you'd go up to the press area, you'd watch a few more on television, but you're in the pits. Describe what it's like being down there and the differences between those two. Yeah, there's not really any any moments uh, off during that point. Um, even when you're in the pits and, you know, when as a pit reporter, you're not on the air all of the time, obviously, uh, much different than what it is like when you're the play-by-play announcer. But as a pit reporter, for instance, at a cup race, um, you know, if there's four of us, uh, Jamie and Matt, Regan, myself, you know, we've got 10 cars. So um, now we might not have 10 cars that are capable of winning, but we've got 10 that we got to kind of keep an eye on and certainly an ear on. And then if there's only three pit reporters, as is often the case, then that adds to that total a little bit. And so even when you're not on the air, you've really got to be paying attention and listening to the different scanners, working with your spotter, uh, working with the PR people at the other teams or checking in with different pit crew members or crew chiefs that you know and, you know, that are in your section, you know, you've got to constantly be aware of what's going on with all of those teams because when something happens, you want to be prepared for it. And and uh, so much of what we do is reacting to what happens live. But there are a lot of things that um, that you can kind of see coming if you've done it long enough and, and you're, you know, you're doing your, your prep work and you're, you're working pit road the way you need to be working it. A lot of times you can see issues before they happen. And so much of that is just kind of getting a sense for uh, the body language of certain people or the communication that you hear on the radio because you've listened to them for, you know, every week of the season. So it's really a nonstop job on pit road, even though you're not on the air nearly as much, but um, you're not working only when you're on the air, that's for sure. And and one of the things I like about being a pit reporter is you have to find your own information. You have to edit it yourself because you know, you've only got a, you know, a 10 second segment of time to, you know, tell your story generally. And you've got to kind of be a self-producer and you're working with a pit producer and also a producer of the show, but you also have to, as a reporter, you have to understand what's important and um, what fits into what's being discussed at that time and the flow of the race and so forth. So there are a lot of elements to being a pit reporter other than that uh, that little bit of time that you happen to get 
your story on the air, and and uh, it's a big challenge, I, and I enjoy that part of it. Vince, this is Stephen here. Kind of give our listeners a touch on, you know, you and your son were the first combination to ever work uh, in broadcast Indianapolis 500 together. Kind of talk about that relationship you have with your son and how that goes into your work. Well, uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, Dylan um, grew up racing and uh which is kind of odd you know i grew up a stick and ball kid and even though i you know i lived in indianapolis so i certainly understood the the um you know the racing dynamic and what racing meant to the city of indianapolis um but i wasn't a racer as a kid whereas dylan started racing quarter midgets when he was seven and um you know he was nine when he came and said you know i don't want to do any other sports i just want to race all the time and so, you know, he was really, even before he was old enough to understand that's what I did for a living, he was all about the cars and, and racing. And um, so it's it's been an interesting connector for the two of us, the sport has, because we spent a lot of time at, you know, quarter midget tracks or at other types of racetracks uh, as he grew up. And many of those races I wasn't able to attend because I was off somewhere doing a race. And, um, but, uh, racing is something that, uh, certainly has brought us together and that we keep, we share as a passion and, and he continues to race a little bit each year. And it, it's just been a joy for me to be able to see him do something he loves. And, uh, that would be the same, whether it was racing or baseball or basketball or, uh, archery, you know, as, as a parent, you just love seeing your kids be happy doing what they love to do. And so it, in his case, it just happens to be racing. And, and he was at a point in his life where um, it was after he was graduating from college, he wanted to race full time and we just couldn't afford that. And I told him, I said, well, if you can find somebody to uh, support your full time racing as a, in sponsorship, then you don't have to go to college. But if you can't find that, then you need to go to school. And um, uh, we weren't able to find the full time funding for him to race full time. So he ended up going to Ball State as well and studying communications. And a couple of years into his uh, his time at Ball State, USAC called and said, hey, we need somebody to do some PA work. Would you be interested in doing that? And um, he started doing the PA stuff uh, for USAC. And about that time, some of the streaming started coming uh, in vogue. And uh, the streaming at that time would just take the PA announcer's calls and that's really kind of how he got involved in race broadcasting was uh, was through that avenue. So took that took that tape, sent it to MRN. You know they gave him a um, an opportunity to uh, do a tryout at Michigan, and um, he did a tryout there and started doing a little bit of work uh, for MRN, and that just continued to evolve. And then he got an opportunity with NBC to do some television stuff, and uh, for NBC does IndyCar, NASCAR, and IMSA. And uh, for MRN, he, he broadcasts uh, on the NASCAR side. So it's been, uh, a, it's been a crazy and fast ascent for him, for sure, up the ladder. But um, it's something that, that he really enjoys. And, you know, if he can't do it, I, I know he would tell you if I couldn't race full-time, uh, the next best thing to being a full-time race car driver would be a broadcaster talking about racing and uh, kind of the way I was as a kid. Uh, looking to be able to talk about, you know, stick and ball sports all my life uh, as a, you know, as, as an athlete and then hoping to do that as a professional in my broadcasting career. It's very similar for him. So 
Uh, it's just kind of weird how it worked out. He didn't go into the racing business because that's what I was encouraging him to do. Uh, really, actually, kind of the contrary. But um, but it's just um, you know it's weird how things work out, you know. And um, and certainly that's been the case for the two of us. And and um, you know hopefully we'll get an opportunity to work on the same broadcast again someday. But um, you know we're just glad both of us are just glad to be working. And um, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, it's something we're both very thankful for, the opportunities that we have. I actually went to Westfield High School for the seventh grade, got a family friend that lives there uh, in Carmel, the Harvest. All three of their girls played volleyball there. Yep. So. Yeah, I, I remember them. I remember that name and uh, outstanding players, as I recall. They were very good. You've gotten an opportunity to work alongside some, some legends in racing, especially in broadcasting. How many of those people, you know, just to name a few, Bob Jenkins of Liberty comes to mind, but Paul Page, you know, Alan Bestwick, Jack Aroot, Dr. Punch, how many of those have not only been legends but mentors for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Bob is, uh, you know, I've known Bob Jenkins for a long time. And, um, and uh, of course, Paul is, you know, having the opportunity to work with Bob and Paul, I think are two of the icons in the sport, uh, in the sport of, uh, or in the profession of motorsports broadcasting, you know, people like Jerry Punch, as you mentioned, and Jack Arruda have been around. So, you know, have so much great experience and, and, you know, so much of that is, is just watching them and seeing how they go about their business. And, and I remember when I first started, uh, my very first Indy car, uh, Indy 500, you know, back in 2000 for ABC, and I'll never forget sitting in the production room and and looking around the room at all the great professionals in that room, people that I had grown up watching, and I was so intimidated. And I remember just kind of sitting uh, at the you know at the table during a production meeting, hoping that producer Bob Goodrich wouldn't call on me for anything. And uh, you know, I'd actually kind of scooted my chair back so he couldn't see me. And I mean, it was just, uh, I was overwhelmed by um, the level of experience and professionalism that was in that room. And, um, you know, often thought, man, what am I doing here? You know, it's, uh, I, you know, I didn't know if I was ready for that or not, but I was getting the opportunity to do it. And, and I was, uh, I look back on those times uh, and, you know, to be honest with you, Bob Goodrich, I consider to be uh, one of the greatest uh, television sports producers of all time and had an opportunity to work with him. And Drew Esikoff was the director and Drew now is uh, directs um, the Sunday night football on NBC um, is, you know, at the top uh, of the game in, in his profession. Al Michaels did the pre-race show for us one year. And Al was a, a person that I looked up to greatly as a as, uh, you know, a fan, uh, just had huge respect for Al Michaels and the opportunity to, to talk with him and sit in a production meeting with him. And, and, um, it just, you know, as you, as you guys said, you know, if you get an opportunity to work with people and see how, how they do it. And it's, um, you know, you sometimes have to sit back and I know I have through the course of my career and, kind of pinch myself and think, man, I can't believe I just got to do that. I've had many of those moments throughout my career and, and I'm just so thankful to have had that opportunity. And, you know, I'm not a big storyteller type of guy, but um, those moments and the opportunities that I've had to work with some of those people that I have so much respect for, I just look at as a, as a great blessing. And, and, um, 
you know, I'd never be one of those guys that writes a book and, and uh, it's just not my thing, but I can assure you that there have been so many people along the way that have had a lasting impact on me and not just those in front of the camera, but, but those behind the scenes, like a, like a Bob Goodrich or a Drew Esikoff and, and so many others I could list, including those that, you know, that I work with today, Barry Landis, our producer on the cup stuff and Mark Smith, our producer on the truck series, Pam Miller, who's the pit producer on the cup shows. It's a team effort. And, um, you know, like, I tell people all the time, especially when I speak to college students, uh, you know, I tell them, you know, just because you're the one in front of the camera uh, doesn't make you the star. You know, the quarterback, uh, without the offensive line, the quarterback's not going to be very good. And without those receivers catching the ball, the quarterback's not going to be very good. And without the offensive coordinator calling the right plays, the quarterback's not going to be very good. And, you you know, you have to understand that it takes everybody on the team to uh, not just make the production as good as you want it to be, but also to make you as good as you want to be. It takes everybody, and, and you really have to have that, that team attitude, in my opinion, to, to be the best that you can be. And, and that's really something that I enjoy. I really enjoy being a part of the team. Uh, and uh, that's something I've always enjoyed, whether it's playing athletics, but but in particular um, in the broadcasting field, uh, I love going to the racetrack and, and being a part of that group that's in that TV compound each and every week and, and puts live TV on, uh, you know, never really knowing what you're going to get from one moment to the next. We could probably go to another podcast at some point and, and talk completely about your days as a reporter for college football coverage at Texas <laughs> event. So, so Vince, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time. Well, I appreciate it, guys. And, um, you know, I think one of the great uh, developments in technology is the podcast, right? I mean, you know, five years ago, these weren't being done. And um, certainly not when I was coming up through the ranks to, you know, as a broadcaster. So I really enjoy listening to the different podcasts, listening to uh, different people's uh, take and different perspectives on the sport and whether it's racing or college basketball or football or whatever the case may be. And I listen to non-sports podcasts as well. And, and so um, commend you guys for the job that you do and, and always know that uh, everybody's perspective is appreciated because even when it's different than our own, uh, that's when we, you know, we learn something and it gives us an opportunity to go, huh, never really thought of it that way. That's a good point and a good perspective. So keep doing what you guys do. And, uh, and I'm uh, honored to have uh, been asked to be on with you. I appreciate you. Thanks, Vince. Okay, Thanks, guys. Vince. Okay. Take care. Find us wherever you get your podcast, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WhistleStopPod. Thanks again to our sponsor, ProtectingOurStudents.org, and don't forget to check out their website to learn more about their COVID-19 Start Safe campaign for as little as $10 a student. Again, that website, ProtectingOurStudents.org.